Good morning, night, evening, or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Before we begin today's episode, I would like to introduce two brand new members of the Patreon. Welcome to Blake Beatty, as well as William Wilson. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. If you want to be just like these two lovely people, subscribe yourself. You get access to bonus episodes, monthly watch parties, and even the chance to come on the show yourself. So please go check out the Patreon and let's get started. I sort of think of it as a nightmare in progress. What is it you pray for? You are all my children now. It's an honor. Hello, and welcome to the Debate of the Dead podcast. Today, we are talking about a polarizing movie whose birthday, 20th birthday, is coming up this year on August 13th, 2023. The movie, Freddy vs. Jason, will turn 20 years old. Kind of crazy to think that it's been that long since we got the slasher franchise crossover. No one could have, like, no one was ready for it. People wanted it, but no one was ready for it. So here with me to discuss Freddy versus Jason is a new friend of the pod, Jamie. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Oh, I am doing fantastic. I'm excited to talk about this little movie. Oh yeah, me too. I, I prepared myself. I watched it this morning, so it's all nice. Kind of fresh in my mind. Good, good. So yeah. before we dive into the movie here, tell me uh who so this movie is an epic crossover movie this is a sequel of all sequels there's i don't want to say no originality here because there's there's some but for the most part we are taking two iconic beloved characters with multiple movies in their franchises and meshing them together so are you a freddy fan are you a jason fan are you a both fan and you're just in it for the love of crossover do you not know either of them and this was your first one what's kind of your background with both nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th so honestly when i was younger um i kind of stayed away from freddy but i knew of freddy and he just frightened me before even like having to watch any of it and also jason they're both iconic you don't even have to watch any other movies you already know who they are right so when you see a movie called Freddy vs. Jason, how could you not want to go watch it? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it, you've got some people have Alien vs. Predator. There's Batman vs. Superman. But us horror fans, we have Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Although I did enjoy Aliens vs. Predator as well. That one was enjoyable. <laughs> good. 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 Uh, I always grew up a big Nightmare fan, so Freddy is like one of my OGs. I've talked about it before on the podcast, how like for a really like in the dead zone of Scream when we weren't sure we were going to get more Scream movies, I was just Freddy all the way. Uh, but Jason, I've had a kind of a complicated relationship with, with Mr. Voorhees over here because he 
is definitely undeniably one of the three horror titans, right? The big three, the trio of of horror, Freddy, Michael, Jason. It's those three for the win. And for good reason. You know, he's got his iconic hockey mask. He kills with a machete. He's got a lot of iconic imagery. But, like, none of the Friday the 13th movies are really, like, good. (laughs) In my opinion. I mean, like... Comparatively, like the first Halloween, iconic. I mean, come on, we there's multiple podcast episode about it. I've got an episode about it. Iconic, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, also iconic. You know, created this villain. You've got a strong final girl. Scream, obviously iconic for different reasons, uh, and some of the same. But Jason, the first Friday the Thirteenth. Well, first of all, he's not even in the first Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah. But then all the sequels, they're just kind of like. I feel I almost feel as if a lot of the tropes that we now love and hate today, such as like the girl running and f- tripping and falling in the woods or like all the characters in horror are shitty, disgusting people that you root for to die. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. while uh, it, it's def- these movies are definitely a product of their time and the 80s slashers are that called as such for a reason. But Jason just, like, I feel like he just can't hold a torch to the other two. <laughs> and and so, so I get his icon status, but at the same time, I'm like, do better? <laughs> well, the other funny thing that I, I didn't know either until recently is that Jason didn't even have his mask in the second Friday the 13th. Like, he had, right. like, he a didn't get it hood over his face. Yep, he wears so, like a like a pillow sack. So he didn't even get this like iconic imagery until part three. Meanwhile, Michael's coming out the gate with the mask. Uh, yeah. Freddie coming out the first movie with burnt skin and a Christmas sweater and finger glove knives, the butter knives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so a little bit of backstory for this movie is that it was in development hell for some time. It was uh like first I, I I should have looked more into it before we started, but it was first like drafted, floated around seriously and like almost twenty years before it actually happened. It was like fifteen years. Uh yeah, just... I think I saw yeah, it was like nineteen eighty seven or something like that when they first started talking about it. Yeah, and then it was like, okay, how do we write the script for this? And they're pulling all these ideas, and then it's like, okay, how do we end it? Because we've got to end it on a big uh, moment. So this movie really took a long time to get made, and the product we are given is quite a tantalizing one between the horror genre. Most people either really, really love it or really, really hate it. I don't see too much people just being like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's a good sequel. <laughs> most people most people are have opinions about it that are quite strong and solid so in a before we go into the scene by scene of it all do you where do you stand on fvj are you kind of are you like fuck this movie it's so terrible and i'm so ready to shit on it for like an hour and a half or are you like it's the best thing ever this is peak freddy peak jason or are you somewhere in the middle um I would say probably somewhere in in the middle. I mean, I love this movie, but it's also really fun to like rip it apart. Not yeah. necessarily like Freddie and Jason are like the best part of that movie. Definitely. But like yeah, I guess we can talk about it later, but the Lori is the final girl and all that, man. Like me and my friends just <laughs> would make fun of her 
so bad because their acting was just so terrible but i still enjoyed it it's just it's yeah. fun to go back it's it's just you can't take that movie seriously because if you're expecting to take it seriously you're gonna be very disappointed it's just something fun a slasher movie yeah yeah that is that is absolutely true and and uh there's you know, obje- like, so I, I'm in the boat of like loved. Uh, am I gonna like die on the hill that this is like the best movie ever made? Uh, no, but I just I, there's something fun about seeing my two two of my favorite slasher villains go toe to toe, you know, and have like that WWE SmackDown moment. And uh, it's yeah. also important to talk about that this movie was like heavily marketed as such. Like it was literally marketed as if these were two WWE wrestlers about to smack down in the octagon or whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely did not disappoint. But yeah, so, so let's get, let's get into Freddy versus Jason. Oh, oh yeah. I was just going to finish off by saying like, even though I love this movie, I saw it when I was really young. So I'm sure the like little kid nostalgia of it all, like really helped burst my viewpoint, but also this movie is just like objectively fun sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think, Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm a little older than you, so I think mm-hmm. I was 19. I think when I okay. when I saw it, and it was like it came out in the summer, so it was like this huge. I think I went with my friends. They worked at McDonald's, and they had this McMovie night, so we all got in nice. for free. Love and I'm that. just sitting there lo- awesome. loving it. And my friends were so bored; they're like playing like some game, and I'm just like in awe and just love yeah. love the movie. <laughs> That's awesome. I love I love to hear that. So the movie opens and it's uh we see that Robert England is once again back to be Freddy Krueger because nobody else could do it like him. I'm really glad that he's in this movie portraying Freddy and that they didn't like recast him because they did recast Jason up until this point. Kane Hodder had been playing him since part seven and then you get eight, nine and ten. And then uh, here's this one. And it's not Kane Hodder. It's Ken Kersinger, who is a Canadian stuntman who has actually played done stunts for Jason before in in the other movies. And the the rumor myth legend of it all is that the casting director or Ronnie Yu, the director, whoever, got Ken because they wanted this sort of like David Goliath uh, imagery showdown kind of thing with jason just being this hulking brute of a man and freddie is i think robert england's like five eight five nine so he's like on the shorter side uh yeah and they weren't recasting him so if they were nope. gonna recast one of them it had to be it had to be jason and it, it kind of sucks because like it kind of feels like they robbed kane a little bit uh, and he he's like very he loves these movies he loves stunt work he loves he, he's very open about it I would so, have to go and yeah, watch go more of the Friday the 13th ones because I guess I guess it's kind of like with Michael and, and with Jason, they're masked and stuff like that. So you think like, oh, does it really matter who the actor is? Um, but maybe it does. Like, I don't right, I'm not familiar right. with the original actor. It's, so just like, I, it's one of those things where like, especially because like if we if we go way back when to like the 80s, 70s and even even the 90s horror is much smaller of a genre than it is now and in the and because it's such a niche subgenre of movies in general it's kind of smaller you know a lot of the horror movie regulars actors crew alike kind of run in a lot of the same circles maybe work on the same projects here and there so you know when you get attached to this guy who's like really enthusiastic he's doing a good job 
uh, playing Jason. And then all of a sudden it just kind of gets snuffed out from under him for like seemingly no reason because it wasn't even like a situation. Uh, apparently no one called Kane. Like that's just how like they just didn't even ask him, which I, I, I believe is the the T at the moment. Maybe some new findings have come out, uh, but it, it, so that kind of sucks. But at the same time, it's not like the end of the world because Ken does do a really good job. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool because there's a lot of Canadian um, actors in it, and he's Canadian. It was filmed in Canada, so there's yep. they, it also has that Canadian element, which I guess is a little more important to me because I'm Canadian. But yeah, oh, um, love it, love it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's cool to see. I I've noticed that a lot of my favorite movies are either filmed in Canada or like have a Canadian production company. Like I'm thinking of your next, uh, that I just reviewed a couple episodes and that is a, definitely a Canadian movie. Yeah. Well, final destination too. that big yes. highway scene was filmed on the highway where I live, like in my town. Oh, that's, that's yeah. awesome. So it's really weird when you watch these movies. I'm like, Oh look, that's the highway. <laughs> oh my God. That's how I feel living in. Uh, I just moved to Los Angeles like six months ago and I live in Hollywood. And whenever I see a movie that takes place in Hollywood, I'm like, I know where they are. Like, yeah, <laughs> I pass by there every day. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, so I totally feel you on that. But uh, we get this like cool opening credit montage ish sequence where Freddie over here, human Robert England is fashioning his glove uh, for the first time. And it's kind of like a little he's narrating as Freddie and kind of giving like a little series recap, you know, of like everything he's been through. We get like a montage of like all the different final girls that have combated against him, a, little, a quick little like kill real kind of thing uh you know just kind of catching you up to speed with the nightmare franchise and like i think this works because if you've never seen a single nightmare movie you've only heard of freddy krueger or maybe you don't even know who that is and you're watching this movie you should probably get like a little bit of like backstory what's come before and they really do kind of just show the greatest hits of the nightmare series yeah, and i like that they yeah i i just i like that they don't even just show like part one and two they sh they there's a clip from basically every movie at least in the except new nightmare because that like if that was canon that would kind of fuck with this whole movie's shtick but uh <laughs> yeah. like for the most part one 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 two three four five and six there's at least a clip from there so that's i i was just talking about this in the in a future episode that you listeners will hear but i recorded it yesterday uh, uh in the scream three episode i was talking about how i uh, appreciate like when series acknowledge that things have come before and they don't just try to ignore it and completely just blow by it like it never happened yeah that's i think that's what i like like so much about uh, this movie is that yeah you can go in watch the intro you're like oh i'm caught up i i kind of know what's been going on you, you're not just lost and like yeah so yeah I, yeah i really enjoyed and, that and it also puts the viewer kind of in freddie's perspective because the, so the whole the premise of this movie is is kind of interesting and i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna be real of all the entire like failed premises whether it be like ones they came up with that never saw the light of day or like the studio rejected or whatever i think this premise is pretty good considering like the movie the execution and like all the other stuff that's a different story but the bare premise that freddie who's been established to be this dream demon. He gets he gets his power because uh, the kids of Elm Street fear him. 
So the premise that he is now a forgotten legend that no one really knows about, therefore there's no fear and he can't really like strike and do what he does, you know, kill people in their dreams or whatever. He needs to spread some fear in the community so he can get strong again and come back and make this grand killing come back. So how he does that is he resurrects Jason, who's been dead from his franchise, and uses him as a killing catalyst, both of those words with the Q apostrophe, by the way, uh, and to basically spread some fear in the neighborhood, which Freddy can then kind of latch onto and get in people's heads and make this comeback. I think that's a decent, you know, like premise. Yeah, no, it's like before seeing it, you're probably thinking like, well, how the hell, why would Freddie and Jason be fighting, right? Like, how are they going right. to, get them to like mash up? But it makes perfect sense. And I think I could be wrong. Like, I know bits and pieces of the franchise, but I think it was when J- Jason goes to hell. I think one of the last scenes I must have walked yep. in watching my, my dad watching yes. it or something. No, yes, um, you're, you're very correct. And you see Freddie's hand, like, grab Jason's yep. mask, which that was, like, early 90s or something, or mid-90s when yeah. that movie came out, so... I'm te- yeah, I'm saying this movie has been in development hell forever. And also a really, really cool, like, bar trivia fun fact about that scene in specific is uh, uh, Kane Hodder, the guy who previously portrayed Jason, is the only actor to p- technically portray both Freddie, Jason, and... Oh, fuck, was it Leatherface or Michael? It's someone big because, uh, you know, he's Jason in the Jason movies, but also that's his hand wearing Freddy's glove uh, that that grabs the mask. So technically he's been Freddy Krueger. He's been Jason. (laughs) And I want to say he was like Leatherface in a stunt scene or something, too. But I also maybe it was I don't know. Uh, But he he, it's cool that he kind of has that title, (laughs) that little little badge of honor. But um yeah, so it starts off with this uh, opening narration from Fredward over here, and he's talking about how, uh, you know, he used to be like the shit. He used to be the baddest dream demon on the block, and now he ain't shit. So he does the plan, uh, which is resurrect Jason, and we get this cool, like, very homage to these series i mean the 80s horror which is this series uh to so the opening cold open kill is like this woman she's about to go like skinny dipping in the lake she shows her titties which obviously means she's gonna get killed i mean this is the horror genre for christ's sake yeah exactly yeah uh and she's she's in these like very dreamy woods this whole movie kind of has this bluish tint to it which i don't know if that was like a 2000s thing maybe it's a ronnie U movie because uh have you, have you seen malignant didn't he do malignant no that's james wan what did he do yeah i don't know oh. i've never seen that one. Oh, i know what it is it's the goddamn it's bride of chucky i was watching bride of chucky semi recently like right before season two of the of the show and i was like there are so many blue tinted rain scenes in this movie. It's looking like fucking Freddy versus Jason, Ronnie U over here. Come to find out, Ronnie U directed that goddamn movie too. <laughs> so if well, you I see a blue tinted rain scene, I bet Ronnie U got it. I wonder if it's just a con- contrast between Freddy and Jason because when you go into the boiler room, it's red, right? That is true. It's like deep red too. Yeah. So maybe Jason's like the blue and like two 
so you think water and then freddy's red for fire yeah yeah definitely especially with their yeah especially with their little like um plot line that they developed for this one movie uh that uh uh jason is afraid of water and freddy is like a fire demon now even though fire killed him see like that's what i mean like some parts of this aren't the most fleshed out but it is still fun and we'll we'll get to those parts as they come but this opening sequence is pretty pretty cool we get and, and it also shows a little bit of jason's whole thing because basically basically in every movie jason's whole moment is that like he was a little boy who drowned at summer camp because the camp counselors were not paying attention to him they were too busy like smoking weed and doing drugs Hence the trope why you can't smoke and do drugs in horror movies, because that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that gets you killed. So Jason's mother goes on a killing spree as like a revenge plot in his name. And then uh, Jason actually turns out to be alive. I honestly cannot remember if it's supernatural at in part two or if it's just like some story about how he like lived in the wood. I don't know. But he lives and becomes this hockey mask wearing machete wielding killing machine but he's always like endeared to his mother he because he died as like a a child and i also think he might have had like special needs i forget if that's actually a plot line or they just make jokes so so sorry if i'm getting that wrong but the point is he, he formed this attachment to his mother so in a lot of the movies remake which obviously came after this, but you know, like the whole thing with Jason is like, if a character is able to emulate his mother or show him like motherly nurture in some way, it it's the one thing that kind of makes Jason put his guard down and allows you to get one over on him. Yeah. Well, that's what Freddie uses to like manipulate exactly. him, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. She, we bring Pamela back and, and it's a, uh, it's, it's bit, like, yeah, Freddie conjuring up, getting into the like dream of Jason and conjuring up his mom to be like, you need to go kill for me, make them remember. <laughs> and it's funny too, because they also uh, asked Betsy Palmer if she would come back for this role who played Pamela in part one. And I don't know much about that woman, but I know that woman hates these goddamn movies (laughs) she hates the fact that she is a part of them she was like offended that the script was so bad like i've seen this clip of her at like a con or something or in an interview and she's like uh she like uh, recites one of the lines from the freddy versus jason script and she's like don't give me a stupid line like that i'm an actor for christ's sake and i'm like girl i don't know like live your truth but also like who are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like this movie kind of made you like just. I don't know what she's been in. I also don't. That. And maybe she was like some kind of big star back in the day. I really don't maybe. know. Sorry, 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 Betsy. I'm not. Com- I'm not trying to come for you that hard. But also, like, I mean, you know, you know, Marilyn Street, uh, Meryl Street. You know, uh, fucking Marilyn Monroe. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> Who are like what it's it's also part of that thing I was talking about how horror is this like was was looked on as this like shitty disgraceful like when an actor does it and then gets big it's like the shit stain on their career that it, they don't talk about and uh it's like annoying because I'm like why 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 do you have to be so ashamed like yeah. just own it bitch even if you don't like horror just own it like how are you going to like s- disrespect the thing that gave you where you are now you know yeah so it's so it's there's all it's just disheartening to see an actress 
shit on the genre so much for what comes off as pretentious reasoning. Yeah. Well, look at Kevin Bacon. Like, is yeah. Freddie, he. I. I don't know if he's embarrassed that he was in that movie, but like that was his first movie. He's a mega star now. I'm sure. Yep. Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Aniston, Johnny Depp, all these people yep. started off in in fucking horror. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's a cool opening scene, and then what happens is Jason ends up like pinning this girl to the tree with his machete, which is like a cool effect, and uh, it cuts to the title card with this really cool like blood splatter effect, very of the times. We've got like heavy metal music, and I don't know what it. Uh, I think. I think the internet doesn't like the heavy metal vibe, but I think it's pretty cool. Like it adds to the charm of this movie in a way. Like it makes it feel a lot more uh like brutal. Yeah, I agree. Sense. Yeah, it's so definitely brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so after after that kill, we cut to the main cast of characters here and right off the bat, 1428 Elm Street. It is the nightmare house. This is Nancy. Uh, what is Nancy's last name? Thompson. This is Nancy Thompson's <laughs> house from the first nightmare. We're on Elm Street. So, you know, this is like this house has some history. It's got, you know, like shit has happened here, especially with Freddie. So we're following the storyline of Lori, who is played by Monica Kina. And she's kind of the main character. She's basically our final girl. She lives in the nightmare house unbeknownst to her because it's, you know, X amount of years later and nobody remembers who Freddy is because everyone has successfully like shoved that secret away. And uh, you've got her two friends, Gib. Yes, her name is G-I-B-B, Gib. I thought for sure it was Kim for like a really long time, but no, it is Me Gib. Me too, for like 20 years, I thought her name was Kim. <laughs> yep, like... nope, it's, uh, it's Gib, played by Catherine Isabel. And then it is uh, <laughs> one of my favorite cameo question mark in all of horror, uh, playing Kia is... None other than Destiny's Child herself, uh, Kelly Rowland. Uh, I, I just, I really need to know the story of how she got involved in this movie, and I've tried to seek it out. Like, I, you know, she she does interviews and she and she says like, oh, this movie was fun and like it was cool to film this scene and like, no, I don't look back on it, sad. But I want to know how. I want to know how they got Destiny sister over here to get in this horror movie i i just i i don't know who what gay in charge of that made that happen but i am so thankful well it was this this must have been her first and only movie i'm thinking like i do not think she has many acting credits i'm gonna look real quick wasn't wasn't her best performance i think maybe sticking to um singing might have been a better choice for her but again she she did a good good enough job um for the just character quick, right yeah just quickly scrolling through her imdb credits she does not she has 114 acting credits but a lot of them are like music videos and reality tv where she appeared as herself but she does have a couple other what seems to be like movie tv roles where she plays like 
a character. But still, point is, how the fuck did they get Kelly Rowland in this goddamn movie? And she's also rocking some red streaks. I'm sorry, but couldn't hold the torch to Gales. I love these red streaks on her, don't get me wrong, but we know who the red streak Bob Queen is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, uh, but yeah, so we've got so we've got the friends. And they're all hanging out at the Nightmare House. It's thunderstorming, you know, classic. And then two guys come over. Trey, who is played by a man whose name I cannot remember. However, despite the fact that he plays like the douchiest asshole character in the world in this movie, I have met him at a convention. And he was like the nicest fucking one there. I am not even joking. He was so cool and fun to talk to. And even like he did like a panel discussion and was like really fun and entertaining during that. I don't know. But it's it's always the people uh, who play assholes who end up being super nice. Uh, his name is Jesse Hutch. Yeah, I, I think I, I must have seen him in other movies too. I just can't remember. But yeah, he's... Even the name Trey is like the douchiest name. <laughs> like, I just sorry, yeah, like, sorry anybody yeah, sorry. whose name is Trey. I I apologize, but it's yeah, you just know he's going to be a dick. <laughs> Especially just when you see him walk in, you know, he's like this this like burly white dude, most certainly not a teenager, despite the fact that I'm definitely pretty sure these people are supposed to be high schoolers. <laughs> um, and but he's like he's kind of like this like bigger like uh unshaven leather jacket wearing white dude and then he's like yo trey it's like mm. yeah stop uh and yeah. then in behind him is his friend uh is his name blake right yes blake I yeah. Think, yeah blake 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 played by uh david cop spelled with k which is cool and so they're like, yeah, we're coming to chill. Trey is Gibbs boyfriend. They're a very toxic couple. <laughs> and uh, Blake is just kind of like a friend. And they wanted him to come over because Lori's whole thing is that she has been single for a while. We find out why over the course of the movie, but she has relationship issues. And because of it, she's been single for a while and they wanted Blake to come so she could, you know, mingle and like, attempt to to find a man and she is not having it at all for trauma related reasons and she's just straight up not into this dude well would would you be no he's <laughs> pretty creepy feng shui and... yeah he's like he's definitely like a little socially awkward and like yeah. it's it's also just a really like gr uh uh what's the word i'm looking for like not raunchy but like um like uh, so immediately like you know they're they're chilling on the couch and uh blake is doing his creepy shit and then trey after like a singular sip of beer is like all right come on go upstairs we're fucking and like is very gross and demanding about it and he he's very clearly like painfully obviously written to be just the shittiest douchebag person possible yeah so you don't he's, feel terrible when he dies a horrible horrible death <laughs> yeah yeah and I want to, as much as I enjoy this movie, the characters in it are not the strong suit. And yes, they could have used some fleshing out. And a lot of people will say like, well, we're not here for the characters. We're here for Freddy fighting Jason, which is true. But that's kind of a cop out excuse. Like if you're going to make a movie, make a fucking movie. Don't just make a fight scene and then build a movie adjacent to it to, to string it all together. And so I like... 
this is why this movie is so conflicting for me and polarizing because they they took some big swings and I like a lot of the directions they took. It's just like maybe we could have went further and you know being in the early two thousands, it's kind of like a notoriously mean decade. Like you find a lot of homophobic dialogue in that uh, time. You find a lot of racist dialogue in that time. You find a lot of like just like xenophobic, like trashy dialogue. Uh, all of which can be found in this movie also, by the way. <laughs> and uh, so, like, there's just, um, like, it's a product of its time, for sure. And if this if this movie would have come out in the 90s, perhaps it would be a different story. Or if it would have come out in the 2010s, then maybe it'd probably be an even worse story, actually, because then it had been almost too long. So I, I think for... The, the time in which this movie finally came out after so long in development hell, I, I can get behind the premise and, and the, the, the glue, despite the fact that the in-between isn't so great. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they couldn't find anybody. Maybe they, people were like, no, maybe like the other Betsy or whatever. They're like, no, I don't want to put my name on this. Like, yeah. So maybe yeah, they just so... had to find some other people who are a little more willing, not as strong actors, but, Again, I think it, yeah, could have been better, but they they made yeah. it made it work. They did make it work, and and the parts where Freddie and Jason are fighting are phenomenal, and we'll we'll get there as we as we get there. But what happens in the meantime is we see Trey and uh, Gib banging upstairs. You know they're doing their thing, and then she goes to shower after, and he's like such a douche. She's like talking about don't kiss me because your breath smells like cigarettes and. All this, I mean, which is like kind of fair, but at the same time, like, couldn't have been a dick about it. And not that, like, this guy's already so terrible. But, and so, uh, Gib over here goes to shower, which this is also another scene where, like, if you know, ignorance is bliss, because if you know the behind the scenes, uh, Catherine Isabel, ha specifically in her contract when signing up for this movie, had a no nudity clause. But I don't know if it was Ronnie Yu or, or a, a design i don't know who it was but some man kept basically pressuring her to be like oh are you sure you don't want to do this shower scene are you sure you don't want to take your shirt off for this scene and she's like no i don't want to fucking like get naked it's in my contract that that's not happening and so for the scenes of her where she is naked it's a body double but it's still just kind of like the woman said she didn't want to be naked man like it was in the contract why are we so it's just and when i met Catherine isabel at that same con i she was definitely not a mean person. She was not like shitty to people at all, but you could just tell that she was over it, you know, because she probably doesn't have too fond of memories with this movie, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, that's, I'm sure that's other... a big reason why. My, my, every time I see this scene, my thought is like, who has sex in their friend's bedroom and then go and has a shower? Like who, who does that like that's true that's true they are at Lori's yeah. place like what the fuck that yeah. is like like for a minute i was like okay i kind of get it but then she gets in the shower and i'm like i mean they're probably like besties and i'm sure Lori doesn't care but that is still kind of like a little to make yourself at home kind of act yeah yeah or maybe uh, I'm just a prude. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it is a little weird. I, I like I can get behind them fucking in the place because like whatever taboo. It's hot. You can you know you get. But then the showering. I'm like you're getting all up in the person where she cleans herself. Are you using her soap too? Like did you? I right? did you bring her own shampoo bottle? What about the towels? Now she has extra laundry. Like I'm just thinking logistics, and I'm not here for it. 
Yeah. And then she gets blood all over the towels and that's inconsiderate as hell. No. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. So what happens next is a really, really great kill scene. One we, of course, Trey is the first to die because he's just such a shitty character. He would have been unbearable if he lived past this. But this kill is uh, quite well done. And honestly, it's probably the most iconic one in the movie uh, in terms of like people know this kill scene like horror movie fans tend to tend to even if they've never seen the movie they're just familiar with it by like pop culture watching youtube videos watching top 10 lit whatever uh but what happens is hockey mask wearing jason over here shows up and it's like thundering lightning so we're it's it's decently dark by dark i mean blue and we get lightning flashes uh illuminating the scene and jason just kind of appears it's it's uh, creepily and then he just stabs the shit out of trey who's like laying in the bed uh and he uh, to to trey's credit he does not drop the beer he's holding (laughs) (laughs) he holds on to that motherfucker through like 10 stabs it's true uh, I think then, even even when they squished, he got squished in the bed. I I, I think he was still holding on to it. <laughs> yep, they do. Uh, to to top off this, this scene is already like cool because it's like brutal, and you've got Jason's like rusty ass machete, and there's like some cool like under the bed shots of the bloody machete poking through the bed, uh, uh, frame springs whatever. So like it, it's stylistic already, and then to add on top of it, it's like a it's it's like a wheeling folding bed. So Jason like pulls the lever to fold the bed, and uh, Trey at this point is rolled over on his stomach, uh, and so the bed folds in half with him inside of it. And if he was laying on his back, that wouldn't have been like the worst thing. He would have just basically been like sitting in a, in a really weird position, probably wouldn't have done much damage. I mean, he did get stabbed a shit ton, but still, but the fact is the bed folds the other way, like which folds him in half backwards. Like imagine your knees are touching your shoulder blades. Basically but like from the back, like your knee pits are touching your shoulder blades. It's some shit not even contortionists would fuck with basically. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's, so it's, it's a brutal death. uh, Well warranted to a gross ass character that we're all rooting for to perish. I, I just think like it's, it's funny how like he was stabbed 10 times, right? Like, but every stab he would make a noise. I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You would be dead. You wouldn't be making any noises. And then when he got felt full in half, he's like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, no, dude, <laughs> I don't think he would have felt that. I'm pretty sure you were already dead. But yeah, I yeah. guess uh, it, it makes is, it more it, entertaining. It, it definitely does make it some more entertaining. Uh, I'm I'm rewatching the scene because I want to see when he drops the beer because he definitely holds it for every single stab. And then I think it flies out of his hand when the bed folds. Ah, yes. He he drops it when the bed folds, which fair. Uh, but he held on to it for all those stabs, for yeah. anyone who was curious. But uh, so Gib comes out of the shower, and she sees the blood all over the ground. She opens the door uh, to the bedroom and sees Trey's, like, really gross mutilated body folded in half. Gives a really good scream, and it, it cuts to kind of a humorous scene of, like, everyone in the house running outside in the pouring rain like just screaming for help and then conveniently a cop car comes by and (laughs) like they're like screaming clearly petrified like traumatized 
allegedly children, even though they're like technically the I'm sorry. Why couldn't they have just made them college kids? Like, it's so unbelievable that they're high schoolers. Anyway, uh, I have a theory about that. I oh, think. If, oh, do tell. Yeah. So my theory is why they cast people who are like in their 30s or late 20s to play teenagers, because I don't think you would actually want to see real teenagers being brutally murdered like these people are in these movies. So it just mm-hmm. makes it a little easier to to that witness. That is fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is definitely fair, and I'm sure it has to do with like child labor laws and all that. And and I'm sure like there's tax things involved there too, and uh, not even tax um liability for like people under eighteen and stuff. But still, like these people look so fucking old. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh um. Oh yeah, so they're in the pouring rain, clearly just like petrified, and the cop comes rolling up, and he rolls down his window, and just in like this normal, chill voice is like, "You kids need some help," <laughs> and then fucking uh, uh, give with her bloody ass hands is like pounding on the window and just goes, "What the fuck do you think?" And I, that it's pretty funny. I think that seems kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. I can't. The guy who plays that cop, I can't take him seriously because every time I see him, I think of a scary movie. Absolutely same. He's like such a goofy actor. I was just looking for his name because he's one of those people that every time I see him, I go, oh, that guy. But I don't actually know his name. But we're going to find it out right now. It is Lachlan Monroe. And Monroe is spelled really fancily. Nice. M-U-N-R-O. But yeah, fucking Lachlan over here, scary movie dude, is uh, <laughs> uh, just oblivious he but whatever he bad cops in movies uh and horror movies is also just a trope of this time like the police are always useless in these movies uh, yeah and so we cut to mon uh not monica well, what's her actual name Lori in the police station and she she everyone's being questioned but she's our main character so we're specifically uh looking at her interrogation and she overhears the cops because you know she lives in the nightmare house and someone just died there so she overhears one of the cops on the scene being like it's got to be freddy krueger and then the sheriff or whoever is like don't say that motherfucker's name out loud like no yeah we cannot let the legend the fear any of that come back uh which like i guess timeline wise you could believe that this is like I'm trying to think who even survives the first nightmare movie other than Nancy. I guess no one. I was gonna say you can maybe believe that this is one of the people that like went to school with Nancy or something. Or maybe like just a little older, I guess. Yeah, maybe he was uh like a cop when it first happened. Yeah, like, like a young rookie. Uh so yeah, he's all like, No, we're not saying that shit here. And Lori's trying to remember who that is, because she's like, What? She's like someone died in my house and they already like think they know who did it like what what name did they say and she finally remembers freddy krueger cut to nightmare sequence so uh she we get some cool but definitely of the time cgi special effects in her nightmare you know she's walking through the hallway and like the child the missing children poster heads like all look at her like uh like turn to look at her and then there's this little girl uh, that she stumbles into and she's got like her eyes gouged out and i re- i don't know what it is about this visual specifically but i remember as a kid this visual scared the shit out of me i like whenever this scene would come on i would like put my hands in front of my eyes i was like oh not the creepy ass eyeless girl i think that that little girl is the same little girl from the uh intro yes, yes she is she is 
uh i'm glad you brought that up because i totally forgot about that in the in the intro sequence you know we see human kruger uh you know we talked about a little bit sharpening his claws fastening his glove but i didn't mention that this alive little girl is in the boiler room with him super obviously very scared and then then we see this so it's like oh freddie did some things to her uh, and she's like humming the nursery rhyme and shit. And she so so basically Laurie has a has a good old nightmare. And then also and because now Freddy Krueger's name is kind of getting back in the the zeitgeist of Elm Street of Springwood, Ohio. Uh, the other the one dude, the creepy Blake has a nightmare kind of thing as well. And what's important about that scene is we see that he basically is in the middle of the street and Freddy Krueger shows up and kind of like shadow attacks him. It's like very like Mortal Kombat move kind of thing. Uh, and he but it doesn't actually do any damage to Blake. And so it just shows us that Freddy is not even though he's getting stronger, he's not quite strong enough to make an impact quite yet. So he's still got to he's still got to get that fear going on. Yeah. So Blake, Blake was sitting there amygdalas. like, um, what was he doing? Oh yeah, just like, oh, I'm going to find this Freddy guy myself and I'm going to kill him for you, Trey, and like acting all tough. And then, yeah, it was, I just right. thought it was so bad. <laughs> so bad. Right. Yeah, it's kind of cringy. Like, it, 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 it's, it's, it's weird, but yeah. And then like, we get a, another cool kill scene here where he's like on the porch of his house and his dad, like, yells at him for some weird ass shit and he's like rightfully so he's like you know my best friend just got fucking killed not just like died of a heart attack but killed like how about some space uh and then and then he dozes off on the porch has his little nightmare moment and when he wakes up his dad is right next to him like stunned face a wide-eyed yeah. and uh he's like the fuck's wrong with you and when he taps his dad his head just falls off because he was de decapitated by jason and then uh jason's like standing right there and shows up and goes to slash blake with the machete and then he uses his severed dad's head as like a shield. yeah for protection <laughs> oh my goodness what a moment in in cinematic history uh yeah. and uh it's whatever blake dies it's off screen we get a blood splash move on uh, so now filling in a little bit more of the gap of why Lori is kind of the way she is in this movie, we get two new characters who are in a mental institution. Their names are Will and fuck, what's the other guy's name? Mark. Mark, yes, Mark. Yeah. Will, Will and Mark, and they are uh, institutional patients in a mental hospital, and we don't quite know why yet. We're sort of learning about them. And but the movie shows us that this Will guy has a connection to Lori because he's, you know, getting his routine medicine or whatever that they give him in the in the hospital. And on the TV behind the attendant, it's it's playing the news and they're talking about a murder at the at the Elm Street house. And he's like, holy shit, I know someone who lives there. Like, can you turn it up? And, you know, it's. A mental asylum, so of course they're going to treat their patients like shit, and just basically out of spite, the attendant turns the TV off, and, you know, Will's all like, come on, I just want to fucking 
see what happened like i know her like that could be my friend that's dead and he de- he denies him that and then when he gets like aggravated the the uh security guards get all like involved like stand there like is there going to be a problem <laughs> yeah well do you think they knew about like cuz they're we know why they're there but do you like that attendant who's giving them drugs like they're like oh shit that's about that house maybe we should turn it off because they don't want anybody to remember right so that is maybe true. that's the reason be, why they turn it off yeah yeah that is true like that attendant could have easily known about this story earlier or like even just hearing it right there he's like yeah 1428 elm street i forget if they refer to it as like the elm street house or anything like that but uh they yeah you're totally right he could be kind of acting in the best interest even though even though he does say things like sorry you know the rules like you know kind of uh making it seem like it's out of spite you could no you you definitely could be very right there that he is kind of you know with that town mentality of no we can't talk about this this has to die and so yeah he he could be i i if they ever make a freddy versus jason 2 which they will not but you know people want it for some reason i would love to see a mental hospital institution medicine provider clerk redemption arc yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so we we get some some character dev from uh will and mark over here as they're just kind of in the hospital playing checkers it, it's kind of showing how mental institutions are shitty and mistreat their patients classic shit and then uh so right here this i saw this movie for the first time when i was like i don't know maybe eight seven somewhere around there like it was definitely after all the other slashers like i saw i've seen i'd seen every freddy and jason movie before watching this movie so i def and i saw scream at six so it had to be like older than six but younger than ten so let's let's just settle on seven or eight point is when i was this right here should have been a gay awakening for me because i in the beginning of this movie a woman like fully exposes her breasts for an extended period of time and that nothing absolutely nothing for me but this like three second clip of the actor who plays mark flashing his ass through the window as like an insult to the uh clerk or whatever or the director of this mental hospital pause rewind pause rewind like (laughs) super invested (laughs) you know what's funny about the actor who plays mark went to school the same school i went to in junior high like he's a year older than my sister whoa um, yeah his name is brennan fletcher um yes yes yeah and i remember i went i think it was like in drama class or something like that um our drama teacher took us to um the stage where they're performing annie at some point and my, my sister was in that play and then brennan fletcher showed up and he, he did like a scene in it so he was like 14 or 15 at the time like right okay so i am not only amazed by your story but i i've got his imdb page pulled up here and i clicked on him because i was like i think i've seen him in like one other movie or something that i really enjoyed and i go to his filmography this motherfucker was krampus in violent night like that movie that came out this year or like just last year i guess i should say and he's gonna be in the last of us tv series Hello, what? Good he's for gonna be the Brandon. Last of us? Oh. Good for Brendan, man. Yeah, he's he's in one episode, according to IMDb. 
So yeah, he fucking was... shout out to this guy. He's yeah. Work. He was also in an episode of Supernatural. I think the first nice. season. I don't. Yeah. I think he's definitely popped up in like something I I watched uh once. Oh, okay, I figured out what it is. There is this uh old comedy movie from 2006 with Robin Williams called uh RV and he is a character in that and now that I think about it, yep, that's where I that's where I have seen him. He's like a really small character, but I remember it. Anyway, good for Brendan. We love Brendan. I was very <laughs> turned on by his ass at a young age. So I'm sure he would be happy to know that. <laughs> I'm sure he would love it. Uh, but yeah, so he does that, but it's as a distraction because in the meantime, while the guards are like subduing him or whatever, uh, he is pickpocketing the, the keys. He swipes the keys. So necessary sacrifice. Uh, and they use Will and Mark use these keys to escape. They fully just break out of the mental hospital. Good for them. Yep. No heist needed. They just got the keys and dipped. Uh, <laughs> and then we get some more character development with uh, uh, Lori and her father. And I do I, not like the relationship they have in this movie. It's very I, weird. This is one of the scenes where me and my friends like to make fun of the characters. Yes, rightfully it's just so. so. Bad. I was like, no, dad, I'm fine. I want to go to school with my friend. Like, what is she trying yeah, to, like, what is she doing? It almost like, feels like inspiration? a... Yeah, like, it almost feels like a porn acting performance because it's like, it's like just, oddly just sexual <laughs> for some reason yeah and the dad's just is like clearly trying to drug her with like sleeping pills uh it's so weird and odd and oh the 2000s were a whack time but here we are and uh you know they're just talking she's talking about how she doesn't want to get sleep and she's fine she's going to school and uh in school which god why was this not a college uh she will shows up so uh she starts she starts getting really scared and having like a panic attack basically and then will shows up because they broke out of the mental hospital and mark is there also and when mark hears Lori say the name freddy krueger he starts like creepily being really intense about it i don't really know how to describe what he's doing here because it's like i don't think it's like a malicious action but it also is I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. He's like yelling at her, but like yeah. in a way that like gives power to Freddy. I don't know. Yeah, it's I think weird. he was just like maybe overhearing her, like, oh, I'm not crazy. And like, this is important. This guy's dangerous. I need to warn everybody. Like, and then not knowing yeah. that warning everybody freaked the hell out of everybody. And now everyone's afraid of him, which gave him more power. Yes, yes. And and every and it's so public too. She's in the middle of the hallway, crowded as hell. It must be like a passing period. Everybody's watching because you know it's a big spectacle. Of course all the high schoolers are gonna like try to see what's going on. Nowadays it would be like phones everywhere recording it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, this is two thousand three. So uh yeah, she she like faints out of just like uh overwhelmed emotion, basically, and yeah, goes exhaustion the, probably. Yeah goes to the nurse's office which <laughs> you know now that i think about the scene the scene is kind of whack where the fuck is kia that she's like looking at a, a plastic surgery catalog and and like is able to ask the, the nearest employee like a question about nose jobs i'm like is this the school nurse's office is she waiting just outside of like where Lori is sleeping 
maybe or maybe they just went right into the dream and there wasn't really a like I, magazine oh, yeah, there uh, I, it's hard to say is... because the dreams go in and out so fast like yeah yeah it's a it's a quick little freddy sequence which uh uh he his hand comes out of the magazine fingers in the nostrils and he like plucks her nose off of her face it's a it's a cool effect i think it looks cool and i think uh the i think the it was practical i swear i've seen like some behind the scenes on this that it was practical i could be wrong but or at least mostly practical but it's a cool effect um i take a little bit of issue with this though because freddy's whole thing is that like if you get damaged in the dream you get damaged slash die in real life and so like in theory her nose should be ripped off but then you've got the whole thing of like well maybe freddy's not strong enough yet but last time we saw him attack somebody and he wasn't strong enough he sort of just like clawed right through them like shadow figure style in this dream kia's nose fully detached from her body like blood guts and all i guess not guts but cartilage yeah yeah i don't know but unless the shadow figure was yeah i don't know i don't know how to explain that one if yeah <laughs> but she should have some one. sort of injury or or yeah maybe it's an oversight Something. maybe it's uh they were trying to say like it's the next step like he can he can make you think you're hurt but it's not permanent yet or i don't know but yeah, yeah. that's why i take like a little bit of issue with it but whatever we get to see kia roland or uh, sorry kelly roland get her nose ripped off yeah then mark and mark and will are do some detective work they look up on the like I forget the name for it, but it's like a it's like a specific kind of v computer viewer for news and images. And it's it's like a little bit out of style. Maybe they still use it today in like news studios. I don't know. And uh, it's got like dials that you can use to flip through the spreads of newspapers and and stuff like that. So they're they're using like the library to go through that. And they see that anything involving Freddy Krueger is like uh, sealed, meaning like the public can't access it. Or just like straight up not there because this is where he kind of introduces the fact that his brother committed suicide, but he's always suspected that it was Freddie, not suicide. Yeah. And so that's kind of his personal connection to this and how he even knows who the hell Freddy Krueger is. And now he's basically trying to get Will on board. They have a scene where they're in the minivan kind of talking it over and it's shockingly blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like, they had damn, a blue light in that van. Yeah, like, are they growing weed in the van? I don't, it's so blue. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, and then, and then after that, we get to a really memorable sequence from this movie in which uh, the kids are having a fully, like, a rave in the woods. And I, so they're, they're having a, a rave in the woods and, you know, there's alcohol. It's like in the middle of, a, I shouldn't say woods, it's in the middle of a cornfield big open range of greenery but it's in the middle of a cornfield there's like this uh this mowed down circle area so that, that's where they're all pulled up and partying it looks it looks cool i think the sequence is great i love this the i think the action is great i think there's some really good kill sequences i think it's memorable and has some really good imagery but jesus christ why did they have to put that like choppy three frame per second slow-mo over this scene? They do it a lot in this movie, but this scene in particular, I'm like, it just, you did something so good. 
and you made it so terrible. Why? Well, the worst part of that scene, again, I know I'm terrible for picking on Lori. Well, she's sitting on the car and she's like just dancing along. And she's oh my just, god, like... it's so terrible. She's just like swaying her shoulders. It's not even dancing. It's just like uh, I also know what you're talking about. I mean, like maybe it's the drag queen in me, but yes, yeah. watching her on the hood me, of that car not is... serve anything was no. We go to the bar and we just start doing that. <laughs> I I love that and and like I don't think Monica Keene portrays like a bad final girl. I just think maybe she doesn't have a lot to work with with this script and she's a little like underdeveloped i guess but i think i I can also i think she does have some good moments and i think in the finale she actually is like really good i like what she what she brings um can we just circle back to the conversation with mark and will in the van yeah of course um that's kind of the moment when they realize the town's plan and that Weston Hills has the hypnosil and yes yes which is an awesome callback to nightmare three yeah and I never seen Nightmare Three, so I guess I uh it are they Western Hills in, in Uh yes, yes, they're three? at the Western oh, okay. Hills uh, mental uh I, I think uh I think it's the same mental asylum, but I know for a fact that in in that movie they were also taking hypnosil to suppress the dreams. So it's like a okay. uh, I think it's the same mental hospital, but definitely the same drug. Yeah. So I I guess that's the point where they figure it out and that's kinda of where they like Right, right. And yeah. then we're we're starting to slowly ravel the piece together here is that the whole reason they're in the mental hospital is because uh, Will claims to have seen Lori's father murder Lori's mother. And we find out, you know, like, so Will is the ex-boyfriend who she has boyfriend troubles with and who she never fell out of love with, but he got taken away from her and uh, he got institutionalized because you know like the power of the father he's like a powerful man in whatever business he does he like basically signed the papers putting him away and it was to keep him quiet because it was actually i mean we find out later spoiler alert freddy krueger who killed the mom and what will saw was the dad trying to basically stab freddy off of the mom and so it sucks that that's how that went down but that's kind of the the two boys's story yeah well we we can talk about it later but like that's kind of another plot hole about this movie is why mm-hmm. freddy would kill the mom like yeah like maybe not even why kill her but i i think i take issue with the fact that why was freddy in the real world for having the opportunity to get stabbed by the father maybe yeah maybe he wasn't in the real world and he just showed Lori that in the dream she was having that's true. It could because it, it it is it is revealed via dream. So that is actually a really good point. Yeah, um, that's that that's the thing with this movie is the things that don't work could, but you have to do like a little bit of mental gymnastics to kind of get there to make it work. You have to plug a couple yeah. couple crossed wires in. Uh, but yeah, so they're they're raving in the woods. They're having a good time. Oh, also a character we forgot to mention is uh. What is it? Benderman? Is that his last name? Linderman. They, Linderman. Linderman. Yeah. That's what they call him. I actually he's really like, like this character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also like this character. He's kind of like, they at least they like write him to be the kind of like stereotypical, nerdy, geeky, like nice guy who's like obviously interested in the girl, but he's not going to get the girl. 
and um he 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 has a moment at this little rave here where like you know he's obviously picked on a lot by the group whenever he appears but uh he has a moment where kelly Rowland's character like snaps says like a snarky remark to him and then he just pops the fuck off he's like you know i just think you're actually insecure and you would probably show it on your face if it wasn't under all that makeup or something and i was like yeah Pop off Queen. Yeah. Get her, Jade. Get her, Linderman. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, she's like, oh, I have respect for this guy now. After Which he, like, I, totally that's actually, pro- yep, that's actually probably my favorite part about it is that she does get, like, a respect for him and is, like, almost kind of turned on. She's like, okay, maybe you do know how to, like, you know, stand up for yourself, show a little masculine energy, be a little tough guy. Okay. And also, like, it's kind of, you know, they're like kids. It's kind of that a little bit of that whole thing of like picking on someone that you actually like to kind of like mask it, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I love how he just shows up on his Vespa or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Driving he's, through he the cornfield and then like, yeah. Yep. And he's like, oh no. And he gets like, yeah, gets the beer and just shoved down his throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So him and him and Kia kind of reconvene on i guess what you could call the dance floor the dance crops i don't know uh and will and Lori are kind of having their own moment in the in the corner on the hood of the car (laughs) (laughs) uh and then shit gets real pretty quickly well kind of so gib kind of goes off and does her own thing and she uh is in so what happens to her is she she ends up having a nightmare and how she falls asleep is uh she kind of passes out drunk in like the cornfield somewhere just kind of stumbles and and passes out um also now's a good time are you a gamer at all do you play video games um yeah um a little bit i'm not very good um i no that's okay yeah are you familiar with uh dead by daylight yes i've been playing that quite a bit lately nice okay great so you'll you'll definitely understand the statement i'm about to make I have been playing Dead by Daylight since that game came out, like basically day one, maybe not like launch day, but since 2016. And for the first like three years of that game's existence, I thought that Meg, one of the like base survivors in DVD, was directly based off this. It like was this character, Gib. She's got the hat, the red hat with the braided ponytails and even wearing like a blue hoodie. I'm like, this is most certainly like give from Freddy versus Jason, right? But nope, they say Meg's like her own character, I guess. Hmm. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. But yeah, if next time you play DVD and you play as Meg or like against a Meg in the base outfit, like pay attention. There's she even has a skin that basically is what she's wearing, like jeans and a blue hoodie, red red baseball cap and everything. Like it's 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 got to be like an homage or something. It's too uncanny and co- not coincidental. Uh, but yeah, so she passes out drunk, has a nightmare, which, uh, and this is where we get that super red, like fiery imagery because she's in like a boiler room. Freddy's classic forte dreamscape. Yeah. Um, kind of, uh, yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. You're, you're but totally this part, fine. I think, in, in the theater, I think this is probably the most intense, I guess, of the whole movie, like more of like, yeah suspenseful like a a little bit of a chase scene and yeah that's exactly what i was about to say that it's kind of it's very chase scene 
uh, kind of. And, it, and it's just a lot of Freddy tantalizing her, getting some good one-liners in there, you know, doing doing what he does best. And then she hides in a locker. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's a safe place to hide. You cannot <laughs> convince me that this is not a literal live-action Dead by Daylight game taking place. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she hides in a locker and uh, Freddie obviously finds her and like rips the door open. And right before Freddie can do that, like slashing blow that he does to, to finish her off, her chest kind of like bursts open with all this blood and sprays all over Freddie's face, which is kind of cool because like he's the villain. Usually you see that kind of thing with like the victims. And uh, it's because in the real world, Jason has just stumbled on her sleeping body and the creepy glow stick dude who is about to rape her because that needed to be included for sure. Definitely necessary yeah. to the plot. Uh, I but guess at least he a, gets what's coming to him, though. I guess it's a horror situation. Yeah, at least he does get what's coming to him because, like, uh, Jason stabs, like, a big old fucking pole through both of them and then, like, a shish, like a human shish kebab throws glow stick dude like into the just yeets him into the cornfield away yeah which is you can see all these cool. glow sticks flying everywhere yeah 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 it's pretty cool <laughs> and then uh in the dream we get kind of a cool effect too where she kind of just like almost like uh like turns into dust like and, and fades away because she just died and freddie gets all pissed about it he's like wait a minute i was this is my kill what the fuck and he's just uh, of course like yeah and he just like of course knows that it's got to be jason's handiwork and so he's like oh no i've created a monster and jason yeah begins to further establishes his uh presence at this little rave in the redwoods and he he like shows up behind these two dudes who are like really off they're like outside the main circle just kind of in the cornfield drinking straight up Everclear, which is like obnoxious and rambunctious, but whatever, they're doing it. But it also helps for the fire that's about to happen. Yeah, I hate that guy with the guy that's like, this Everclear is kicking my ass. Like, oh. Yeah, it's so cringy and it's weird. Yeah. And they're also definitely not high schoolers. Um, no. Yeah, Jason, Jason snaps one of their necks, like not even snaps, just like completely turns it the other way like 180 it's a pretty goofy effect but like it's also just so like sudden and kind of like silent like there's not really like a score happening during it so it, it does kind of have effectiveness to it but it is a little goofy uh in my opinion yeah well, and the, then, yeah the other guy was just yeah. not expect it and he's like oh shit and so he just throws his drink all over him and then just sets jason on fire yeah, yeah, using, like, a nearby tiki torch, which, like, honestly, kind of a good move. Like, in his defense, he doesn't know that Jason is, like, a fucking supernatural, unkillable zombie man. But, like, in the event that happened, that was kind of an on-your-toes on on uh, thinking moment, so good, good yeah. for him. Uh, but it, of course, does not work, and Jason does not even flinch by being set aflame. And and so he so the the dude starts running away towards the main main uh, circle. And in this process, uh, Jason is just walking a cornfield, lighting it ablaze, which really cool stunt that uh, Ken over here really did. So good. Good. Yeah. Cool, well, it's cool really cool. That. Like, I think they do a sh like kind of an aerial shot of the guy yeah. running and you can just yeah. see the whole cornfield just catching fire behind yeah. him. 
it's really yeah. cool it's really cool uh really impressive burn stunt too i always just look like damn they really did it like they really set that motherfucker on fire that's awesome uh but yeah then jason um, literally on fire emerges from the cornfield into the main circle and just starts hacking bitches up left and right like he is just laying yeah. into folks like it's nothing and he eventually gets set off of fire because he like misses a swing and it hits uh a beer tank or something like a keg and that kind of extinguishes him but uh yeah the the overall effect of this scene is dope as hell and uh yeah once jason shows up it's like nice <laughs> yeah well because the one guy that was running away too right he, he thinks he's like almost free and then all of a sudden you just see the like flying fire machete just go through him yeah just burst through his chest and he like spits out a little bit of blood as he like falls to the ground and dies it's 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 cool it's a cool scene again i just i wish they wouldn't use this bitch ass slow-mo the whole time but yeah it is it is a really cool scene and definitely like a memorable one like i if you think of freddy versus jason like and you start thinking about the movie i bet this is probably one of the scenes that comes to mind towards the beginning yeah yeah it's pretty pretty epic uh moment definitely yeah yeah definitely and so uh you know will and Lori drive home they drop key off and they kind of have a moment he tells her about why he's in weston hills in the first place you know that moment we were talking about earlier where like he confesses that uh, uh he saw the father kill the mother and then uh Lori like runs inside the house uh like kind of storms in because the dad catches them and freaks out and they're having this argument and the uh it's raining like thunderstorming and the whole time the front door is wide the fuck open and it just bothers me so much <laughs> i'm like the bugs the rain the draft like the everything just close the goddamn door <laughs> why did they need the door open uh so she like runs into her room locks the door throws a tantrum and sneaks out the window uh runs away basically to get away from the dad reconvenes up with will who then uh they're 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 gonna go pick up mark but unfortunately freddy gets to mark first yeah uh, yeah so they we see Mark go into a nightmare sequence. We see he's having trouble keeping himself awake, but slips into a nightmare. And he has an illusion of his bloody suicide killed brother in the bathtub, who is played by Zach Ward. And this dude is not only hot as fuck, but has yellow eyes. How cool is that? Like his for real, like color, in real life? Yeah, his eye color is yellow. Wow. That's Insanity. very unique. Very unique. So that's awesome. Uh, and also, he does kind of look like he could be the brother of uh, Brendan over here. They look a little bit like alike, like facial structure wise. Um, but yeah, we're getting some cool effects here. We're seeing like bloody barbed wire kind of vines going into his foot, keeping him in place in the bathroom. Some good burn bubbling scar effects on the brother who's like an illusion and Freddy. Uh, and then it, it ultimately ends in Mark getting ragdolled around the room uh and in uh ending with getting slashed across the face and on on his back kind of branded like heat wise is freddy's back yeah which like yeah. cute we love a double entendre <laughs> well because it was like i want you to send a message for me and he like refused so it's like i'll just mm -hmm. have to send it myself and then I'm always yep. curious, like, what would he have done if he, like, agreed? Like, would he just let him live and 
Like, right, I, right. I, I think the only thing there's any, and there was not a win-win situation for for Mark there. <laughs> yeah. So, R.I.P. Mark. He gets taken out, and Lorian will witness it at the last second because they kind of pull up to his house and see it in the window. Uh, so then we uh go to a really whack scene that definitely could have probably been cut from the movie or at least gotten in another edit or two uh where our group here our disjointed group is kind of chilling out at a table kind of discussing the facts trying to figure out how the fuck to what's going on who's doing this who freddy is who jason is and then the fucking cop shows up for some reason he's like i'm gonna help you kids i don't the, the cops the, the other cops ain't treating me right so he joins <laughs> He joins the kids team. Also forgot to mention that a stoner character is here named something really weird. Uh, What is his name? It's Freeberg. Fucking Freeberg. And he so clearly looks like Jay of Jay and Silent Bob, who are like notorious stoner characters. And something I think is so hilarious there is a horror documentary, and I'm almost 100% sure it's Never Sleep Again, which is mostly over the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but it includes Freddy versus Jason. And I, 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 I'm sorry if I'm misinforming you, and that's not the documentary I'm talking about, but there is a documentary about this movie out there where they got actual Jason Mewes, who plays Jay in the Jay and Silent Bob movies, to like come in film like a talking head for a second and he goes on like a, a little moment where he's like oh yeah playing freeberg was like a moment in my career where blah 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 and he's like wait a second i wasn't in that fucking movie and then they bring <laughs> the actual actor in <laughs> they really did that for this little documentary that like like what a funny like what it's just so mind-blowing <laughs> to me that they, and they got in on the joke like i'm like what so if you haven't seen that documentary, go see it. And if I misinformed you with the wrong one, I encourage you to seek out the actual one. <laughs> but it does exist. The clip lives rent free in my mind. Yeah, I was always curious, like whose house were they at? Like, yeah, I have no idea. I'm trying to figure that out because it definitely it gives like basement energy, but it also looks like it could be like the basement of a library. Oh, but also, yeah, wait, where the fuck are they? Literally, maybe they're at Freeberg's house. I don't know. But then, how does the fucking cop just show up and waltz in? I don't know rambunctious shit is going on because this is also where they like Lori falls asleep and has a nightmare here and there's some really rambunctious shit of like her dreaming that the the group turns on her and then it turns into freddy uh but at least we get the information that you can like she pulls freddy's ear out of her dream so that's kind of cool but uh also also this is where they do the whole like wait freddy died by fire jason by water how can we use that yes uh, another classic line yeah uh, I don't know, like it's, her it's being mess. her t- being tired. I don't know. She can't yeah. act being tired or something. It's just it's it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah she has some she has some bad moments, and I don't know if it's like a, a Monica Keen thing or if it's a script thing. Maybe both. I don't know. Who knows? But then they then they go to the the hospital and uh, try to get some of the drugs and the uh, the hypnosil so they can use it to or whatever to not dream about Freddy. <laughs> And then, uh, this is a franchise first. So, Freddy appears to our stoner boy over here as this, like, very odd CGI 
Freddy worm because and he's like definitely a Freddy worm because he's got like a burnt face and he's also like shades of red and green. Uh, and then the Freddy worm pulls out a hookah and smokes with Jay, <laughs> which so- then allows the worm. Sorry, not to cut you off, but just allows the worm to crawl inside of uh Jay Freeberg. Sorry, I'm calling him Jay now because he literally is Freeberg and kind of possess him. Uh, yeah. Go ahead with what you thought you were gonna say. So he wasn't actually sleeping though; he was just high, and that was enough for Freddy to get to him. That is a good point that I do not think I have ever considered before. Yeah, because I think he he kind of started following the worm, and then he is like yeah. hallucinating all those weird patients and like pointing and asking for the hypnosil and he's like, no, yep. I can't get rid of it. And then the worm like, and then Freddie possesses him and like, which it's a moment. I thought it was funny when I was like 13 for sure. But now <laughs> I'm just like, yep, they really, they did that. They filmed that. They edited that. They hired someone to animate that worm. And they well, I'm, I'm thinking them. it's a callback to Alice in Wonderland because wasn't there some weird caterpillar thing in Alice in Wonderland that was smoking something? Probably. I'm not too as familiar with Alice in Wonderland as I probably should be. And also, like, it kind of gives, like, Freddy Worm from Part 3. Uh, there's, like, a big worm that, like, eats uh, Patricia Arquette and... Uh, it's a really cool effect because this is like this giant old thing, but this is, uh, I don't know what this is. This is something to say the least. Um, yeah. That's what I always, I think that's what I always thought it, it was. was just a, yeah. Call back to that caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland. It definitely could be. It's just, uh, like I said, I, I really do get behind a lot of the things in this movie. It's just the execution that some choices were made in. Uh, but then, Shortly after that, we cut to uh, Fender, Linderman and the cop who uh, are like in a control room of sorts. And Jason shows up and <laughs> scream king of the season. <laughs> Linderman lets out quite a scream upon seeing Jason. It's, it's quite a funny moment. He's like, does he he says something like he's like, dude, watch out. And then like just <laughs> like screams. It's so funny. Uh, and then Jason tears, misses, because they, like, kind of move out of the way, but hits the control panel, which, like, of course, sends out some, like, shocks and electricity. And then, like, it's shocking Jason, and the cop goes to run away, and Jason just sticks out his arm like he's trying to save pizzas from falling out of the passenger seat after slamming on the brakes. And just, like by by extension proceeds to electrocute the cop to death so like r.i.p yeah, the that, cop but uh, that, what cop a se- that was a was fun absolutely like, little, useless it, absolutely useless and it's, it's, like it's one of those like, like hypertense scenes where i just kind of like after it's over just go <laughs> that yeah. was the moment <laughs> yeah that cop was just there to die like just another body like he oh. didn't like progress the story at all just like let's just have him come along and get killed in a funny way <laughs> yeah yeah for sure uh and then they go they go out into the hallway the whole group's together now and they jason's coming and they see that uh freeberg over here is like 
waiting. He's just standing in the middle of the hallway ominously. And they're like, come on, we got to go. We got to go. And he, and he's just standing there. And then like in Freddie's voice, he says something like, uh, like, let me handle this bitch or something like that. And so uh, he as Jason approaches him, uh, Jason raises his machete to, to, to slice him. And he takes these giant ass syringes of some kind of sedative, I guess, and jams them into Jason. And I, I will admit, I, I do think this is kind of a like badass looking shot of just him kind of taking those things and just like, like into him. Yeah. And then because they're running away and then Laura's like, oh, wait, look, like, oh, yeah. She like, notices running. That hand. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, who cares? It, yeah, so they kind of take each other out. Jason manages to still get the the crushing swipe in and cuts uh, Freeberg in half, which a uh, cool effect. It's not a bad effect or anything, uh, but also proceeds to pass out directly after that. And this, so we're at we're at just a little over an hour in the movie, and this is where like this last half hour, forty minutes or whatever is where it really starts to pivot into the Freddy versus Jason. Like, yeah, this, this is, is where this you is get when shit good. gets real. <laughs> this is when shit gets real. Like, this is what we're here for. All right, we've established this shitty slasher plot or whatever. We're here. We're here for it now, right? We're in, we're in the octagon. So it starts off on Freddy's home turf. We're in J- Jason is asleep, so he dreams and he has a nightmare with where Freddy interjects himself. And they, you know, he's, it's Freddy's like throwing all this, like, like telekinetically, like throwing all this like industrial shit at him. It's and like pinball, literally pinballing him around yeah. the room, like sound effects and all. And, like, and like, oh, just crushing him against shit. <laughs> There's one point where he throws these like uh, cinder blocks at him. And it's kind of cool because like they rise up in the air and then fling at him. And while they rise up in the air, they form the uh new line cinema logo oh really yeah fun fact uh just for that li- quick little shot right before they uh fly towards jason uh basically yeah just beating the shit out of jason but fucking jason over here just will not die uh yeah he he gives like zero fucks about what's yeah yeah he, right now yeah he's like a machine he just sort of takes it and then just gets back up like he's like all right back to killing anyway back to what i was doing uh and so what happens then is a pipe bursts and some water comes out and this is where we kind of get the whole jason afraid of water thing and listen here folks this is why this scene is controversial the problem with this scene is there are already 10 Jason movies, Friday the 13th, Jason, whatever, movies that exist. And yes, it is true that he drowned and died by water. We have seen this man in lakes, rivers, swamps, and puddles in almost every fucking movie. So for them to pull this bullshit of like, no, he's afraid of water. Well, also, the beginning of the movie, it was raining, and he was just walking in the rain with not caring, and yeah, but now yeah, he's what's wrong afraid with... of water. Yeah, if it comes from the sky, it's okay, but maybe, you know what he's really afraid of, Freddy? Maybe he's afraid of getting fucking tetanus from your goddamn rusty-ass pipes. You know that water's brown as shit up in there? <laughs> so yeah, they come up with this yeah. really rambunctious plotline that Jason's fucking afraid of water, uh, so that was a choice. 
and Freddy uses that to his advantage. He cuts deep, uh, as he says, because is this the part? Yeah, he like shoves his like Jason reverts back to being like a child. And then there's like a interesting effect where Freddy kind of slowly pokes his uh, finger knife into his skull to like tap into his brain or something. Yeah. And I, it's like it's, yeah, a, it's pretty gross. It, I remember, it's gross. I remember it kind of like making me uneasy as a kid, like grossing me out a little bit. And we just get we just get a cool. This is like a nice like fan servicey, I guess, kind of Jason shot of him in like a his own dreamland, sort of just chucking bodies into his like little swan. Which, by the way, he's literally oh, he's literally walking through water right now in this scene. I know that's what I was thinking after right after. Like, I'm like, why is he walking in water if he's scared of it? Oh, like, my it God. I'm sense. so. But yeah, that's what's happening. And then in the real world. So, oh, yeah. So their whole thing is uh, they're going to drive an unconscious Jason to Camp Crystal Lake, which is in New Jersey and Springwood is in Ohio. So they take this short 45 minute drive that that actually is up there to go ditch him in Camp Crystal Lake. And what happens in the real world is while they have him like duct taped to shit in the laying down in the van and he uh, uh, is like drowning in his dream. And uh, yeah. So they they don't want him to die because they believe that Jason is the only thing strong enough to take Freddy out. So they're like, holy shit, we got to give him mouth to mouth. And so, oh God. so the problem also, so Lori can't do it because she's also asleep because the whole, she's going to do like the Nancy thing where she's going to go to sleep for a small period of time and then get woken up at, the, a, at a certain time. And the, the well, thing that bothered me about that is they gave him yeah. a sedative. Right. You can't yeah, wake like, someone up in 50 minutes after taking a sedative. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, what? Like, what? <sighs> Messy. This is the point where I'm just like, all right, give me the Freddy and Jason fighting. I don't care about any of these people anymore. And so she, Lori can't do it because she's fucking very awkwardly laying right next to him, Jason, on the floor of the van, passed out, sleeping, dreaming of Freddy at Camp Crystal Lake, which is pretty cool. It's, cool. it's a cool environment to see. And Freddy's just, you know, tantalizing. And uh, uh, so she can't do it because she's unconscious. Will is driving the van. So that only leaves Kia or Linderman to give gross-ass undead corpse zombie Jason mouth-to-mouth. And Linderman claims he can't do it because he has asthma. So he doesn't have the lung power. So Kelly Roland, this motivation airs her dirty laundry right here on screen <laughs> and lifts up the hockey mask and we get some like cool under chin shots of gross Jason and he spurts out some water. Yeah. Oh, she, it was nasty. She does it. She gives him mouth to mouth. And so, you know, she really did that. Shout well, out to her. I mean, did she, did she, or did like he wake up right before she could do it? Oh, for some reason I thought maybe she did. I thought she got some lip action. I know she got like scared away by like the water spurts, but I thought maybe there was a moment where she got, she did get a breath or something in there. But yeah, because then then what happens is, uh, Jason, 
uh wakes up or whatever from his he like he wakes up and like the chains uh uh or the duct tape on he breaks out of it and so shit gets pretty whack and it's uh Lori is still unconscious she hasn't gotten a hold of freddy yet and so jason waking up and causing a scene uh makes basically makes makes them crash Sorry, I'm like stuttering because I'm very intently watching the scene to see if she gets any lip to lip action. There. Oh, and the way he flies out of the back of the van, uh, like he goes flying, but Lori. Is oh fine. my god! <laughs> I absolutely one. Okay, okay, yeah, you were right. She doesn't actually get to blow a breath before he wakes up, but that would have been an interesting scene. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, you're totally right though. Like that is something I love about this movie is that the gravity is just straight up turned to like negative twenty in this movie like anytime characters jump or just go in the air for whatever reason it is always like exuberantly higher than, than what could be imagined uh so and, and we see that when jason wakes up he was in like a nightmare where freddie was like drowning him so uh he and he like kind of dissolves out of freddie's arms since he's awake and so freddie does some more uh nonsense with laurie but problem is Lori's still fucking asleep through this car crash. Maybe because they gave her a goddamn sedative. <laughs> and uh, so she's she's got a hold of Freddy and she's all like, wake me up, wake me up. But nobody wakes her up. So Freddy switches it up on her and takes her back to the house, shows her that it was her, him who killed mommy and kind of reveals that to her. We get some cool like stare effects and shit like that. You know, the works. Uh. But the important thing is, so they uh, they end up in a cabin in in Camp Crystal Lake because they do they do make it to the scene. And so they end up in this cabin and uh, I forget how the fire starts, but uh, it gets set on fire. And at some, you know, there's, yeah, a, there's some... I think Jason comes in and there conveniently has to be a, a gas container there. Right. That right. He knocks yeah, over and then there's a candle like a lantern for whatever reason that was turned yeah. on falls and then yeah exactly exactly yep yep so they're all in this cabin and you've got like linderman stabbing jason with a flagpole which is pretty cool and then fucking kia gets bitch slapped across the room by jason who's like (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because jason is like this huge brute figure and like killing machine and he's like he's like trying to get his machete stuck out of the wall or something so he's like a little encumbered and like the way he's just kind of like slapping them off, like like they're like flies or something, like or like it kind of <laughs> yeah. reminds me of like like monkeys like climbing all over, and the the, the dad monkey is just like get the fuck off me, like he's, that's kind of yeah. what's happening. Uh, it, it's pretty. Well, funny. I I feel bad for Linderman because his death was so like anticlimactic, right? Like oh, that's true. Yeah, because what happens to him is when when Jason flings him across the room, he gets. Uh, pushed up against the wall because anti-gravity and there's like a, a uh, an L bracket that would hold up a shelf uh, just on the wall and it's kind of got like a, because you know it, the shelf is not there because like uh, things are you know things are getting smashed and people are flying around the room so it fell and uh, it, 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 it impales him it's got this like really sharp edge to it and like to make matters worse it's it's one of those ones with like a decorative kind of swirl design so kind of a lot of metal impales Lenderman over here unfortunately and he yeah. does have a pretty sad scene where he kind of 
bleeds up bleeds out while sitting up against a tree and Kia leaves him to like get help or whatever. And so it's kinda it is anticlimactic, but it's also kinda like, oh damn, I kinda like that guy. Yeah, I guess the more likable character, the less crazy of a death they get. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, yeah. Uh so then what happens is Will is able to wake Lori up because he uh he like puts her arm in the fire and while this is happening lori gets a hold of freddy and wakes up and pulls freddy out of the dream freddy's in the real world baby and no issue with this this has been a thing that's been established since the first movie totally cool with this and uh so um, and, it, and it makes sense you know so what yeah go ahead the look on freddy's face when he realizes that he's in the real world yes is one of the best parts in the movie shot i i absolutely agree he like he like he like cowers his little glove in front of his chin yeah there's there's something about quick glimpses of killers or like the villain being afraid because i all it also makes me think of this like shot in scream three it's very quick it's only like two seconds but at the at the end of scream three when sydney pulls the gun and she's like your turn to scream asshole when she first like whips the gun out of her boot, like right when she starts starts talking, there's a shot of Ghostface like cowering, like be like doing kind of like a pushback, like oh shit, like kind of thing. <laughs> and I just think it's the funniest, like, and it's very similar energy to the shot of Freddy kind of like cowering in fear. It's it's just so funny yeah. seeing like iconic horror villains react, which is yeah, it's even and the music Ghostface, because it's like. It's it's a mask, right? So it's like this one set emotion, but something about the way it happens, you can still just tell. Like it's like, oh shit! <laughs> I don't know. It's funny, um, but yeah, Lori pulls him out of the dream. So now it's on, baby. Freddie and Jason face to face. So they they of course have like an epic epic fight scene. You know, Freddie Jason's like dragging him through the windows, and and it's it's dope that they get to do this kind of thing because. A burning cabin, great set piece for a, an, a fight between two horror titans. And they both kind of have like a supernatural element to them in a way. So they're almost, you get to do things with them that you can't do with a normal human. You couldn't drag a normal human through like multiple columns of windows, breaking them all, and then expect them to still get up and be alive and fight and all that. So this is, it, it feels very Mortal Kombat, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, no, really, this, yeah, it's really definitely. Cool. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Definitely my favorite, like, yeah, the whole uh, movie up to this point was good. It was fine, but this, I just, it's so much fun. It's just so over the top. Like, whenever it, they it get is. stabbed, the, like, the gushing blood that just splurts everywhere and just, like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and and you've got it. so epic. And you've got kind of a cool dynamic, too, between them because Freddy fully uh, fluent in English, like, could speak. And so he's like, not necessarily giving one-liners, but he's vocally reacting to the things that are happening in comparison to silent Jason, who doesn't even make like grunting noises. Uh, like, yeah. So, so it is. It is a really funny dynamic, and it, it, it they did a really good job with this stuff. This is, you know, at the end of the day, this is what we're here for. And it, if you're gonna make a movie called Freddy versus Jason, you better make sure the parts were Freddy goes versus jason is good and i you can't really complain too much about these they do they do a pretty yeah. good job also like balancing 
like making sure one opponent doesn't get like too much you know like anytime freddie gets the upper hand jason pulls it back and then it's a good back and forth of just crazy ass shit (laughs) yeah when Uh, they get knocked off by that well freddie was trying to like hit jason with that like miners card or whatever mm -hmm. um yeah and he's like was stabbed with all that that's uh what's the word you call oh all all those spikes iron uh yeah, yeah yeah there's like all those like iron spikes yeah yeah, yeah. that's a, a yeah. little bit later and it, that is a dope ass scene but but before yeah <laughs> before that we have to talk about an important scene of this movie a memorable memorable when scene. he trips and he gets hung up in it uh no no, no 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 uh there is a there is a moment where uh freddie chases after will and Lori, and they're kind of backing up and it, it seems like for like a quick little second that they're they have nowhere to run or whatever and then from off camera we hear kia's voice hey freddy the way my seatbelt gets buckled in and i am like hands on the handlebars like this yeah. this is an exhilarating 45 another controversial uh very controversial a little bit absolutely this is a moment yeah basically kelly roland's character just verbally degrades freddie in any way she can think of she she like she said the library is open okay what's with the finger knives (laughs) butter butter knives really bitch but jason have you seen jason's machete he is whacking bitches in one swing and you over here with them them claws honey i go to the salon and i get longer nails than that okay i wish that was the dialogue but no uh (laughs) that would have been great you should you should wrote that scene Uh, right i i was i should have ghost wrote freddie versus jason um so yeah she comes for the sweater (laughs) she comes for the sweater she okay the and i like that I, this whole time like the look on freddie's face he's just like so amused by all this too right like yeah her, her yeah. just oh, trash talking him yeah yeah freddie 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 is definitely finding it humorous he's 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 like kind of chuckling definitely smirking and at first we think you know it's just like general freddie cockiness but we find out quickly why he's actually uh thinks it's thinks it's kind of humorous and uh so the reason I keep gay screeching at this moment, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen this movie or somehow don't know or have like seen the TV edit of this movie, Kelly Rowland calls Freddie a faggot. It happens. She says it. It is definitely dialogue in this movie uh, to to give credit to the script. I guess the line is what what kind of faggot in a Christmas wrapper runs around <laughs> And it's just, it is, it is quite a sequence. What a se- like they really filmed that. And I remember watching it's the same, whatever documentary I was talking about earlier with the Jason Muse thing, uh, is, is, uh, in the same one, I swear there was like a clip of like everyone who worked on the production of this movie, like quickly, it'd be like Ronnie, you, the director. No, I didn't write that line. And then it co- almost comedically cuts to like the script writer being like, no, I did not write that line. And like basically, like, like it cuts to like five different people being like, "I I don't know how that got in the script. I did not write that line." <laughs> and like all these people just either blaming it on someone else or like just not taking credit for it. And yeah, it's it's messy. Uh, if if you're offended by this, I understand because it's definitely a mean spirited use of 
the F word, but as a gay person who has taken back some power in the word faggot, I think this is funny as fuck because it's just so campy and ridiculous and stupid. And it it kind of takes the tone to like a 100 level uh, at this. It, like, it's one of those things for me, at least, that just escalate like like we were already in the home stretch but now we're on the we're on the battlefield now baby <laughs> oh yeah and and she totally she she totally gets it in the second too like just gets nailed by jason yeah like freddie just yeah. like points one of his little butter knives and she looks behind she she, she just gets swiped crashed up against a tree and she's like convulsing and just slams to the ground <laughs> yes this, and she's this, done <laughs> She gets swatted by Jason. This, this woman, I'm sorry, this, listen, I love Kelly Rowland, but she flew higher right here in this sequence than she ever did in Destiny's Child. I'm going to get canceled for this. But yeah, she, uh, I'm sorry. No, I love Kelly Rowland. But yeah, she flies obnoxiously far and high in the air from this Jason machete spot. This bitch went into Saints Row 2, turned on sheets, and typed in the little cell phone anti-gravity. Like, there's she just flies through the trees. And uh, I don't even know what kills her. If it's like Jason's machete slash that cuts through like half of her body or if it's the impact against a tree at like 120 miles per hour across. Yeah, I I don't know. It was just yeah. Yeah, was, what a what a moment. What an exhilarating yeah. 45 seconds that is. You get you get some some great I'm talking god tier Shakespeare level dialogue and to top it off <laughs> you get a very realistic death scene followed by <laughs> That scene you were talking about earlier where Jason and Freddie are fighting again on this, like, industrial, like, uh, I don't know, gravel-making site? I have no idea what yeah, this is. Yeah, I'm not really, really sure. I don't know, but there's fucking torpedoes, there's scaffolding, there's, like, metal drums hanging in the air. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, some more some more good battle sequences. There's Like you said, there's a moment where Jason uh, is impaled by, like, multiple different spikes and then just pulls him out like it's nothing it's dope uh yeah and uh Fred, and the blood yeah, just like squirting 100 feet out from him like, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh freddy like uh i forget when it happens but there's also a very comedic scene of freddy trying to like essentially knee jason and he's like so much shorter than him that it looks like a child like kicking like a fully grown adult or something I, I don't know i think it's in the cabin when it's on fire but he's just like he gets off like three good knee kicks on him before jason just kind of like manhandles him and does his like get the fuck off me throw to him. yeah yeah uh, but but yeah jason is just not dying through any of this and uh it, things things get crazy you know we got fingers getting sliced off body parts chopping blood spewing it eventually ends on uh ends up getting taken to this dock right and in the meantime Lori has been spraying this dock with gasoline which like cool i actually am kind of glad they included this because if it like if you wanted to end on a big old explosion set it up and like yeah they kind of did so they ate this uh yeah but yeah so it, so the, it ends up yeah. with dock. go ahead go ahead Oh, the, the dog scene. I mean, I think that's like 
the most brutal fight sequence yet. Like like you're saying, like yeah, Jason's fingers got chopped off. Freddie steals yeah. his machete, and Jason punches him, and like inside is holding on to his insides, and yeah, Freddie like gets really machete cool. trying to prime off. Like right, like there's just his so arms much ripped on. off. It's they really did. They did these two characters right. I think they really did. They really in this epic grand face off that this movie promoted sold and marketed itself as just just by the title alone it it's serviced on that behalf like you can't say oh the board the fight scenes between freddie and jason were boring like yeah i challenge oh, also... who thinks that to explain to me why like where have you seen this done before what about it is not like i don't know it's very well done i think i also got i love the slow motion scene of lori slowly running with the two torches in her hand yeah. and set the dock on fire <laughs> yes it's so cool and and i and i've got to say too like the whole time she has this very perfect like streak of blood on this on like across across the titties it's like very perfectly like it almost looks uh like it makes her look like she's wearing a corset almost kind of just like the or like some kind of jewelry that accentuates uh her boobs it's it's really cool it's something i would like do to my breastplate like if i was doing like a halloween bloody show or something so it's 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 cool i just think it, it makes her look really hot and like a horror movie villain it's dope and like she's all wet and shit yeah. too so it's like perfect very sexy yeah. very empowering for her too uh but yeah and it in yeah. this fight between freddie and jason is just so like depraved because they're just desperately doing anything they can to uh to harm the other one and like, yeah, like you said, Freddie gets his arm chopped off. He gets, he stabs him with his own machete. Uh, but yeah, Lori does that awesome slow mo shot, running with the torches, sets the uh, the dock on fire because she sprayed it with all that gasoline from a tank that was nearby, and then of course, uh, led a trail to the tank so that it, of course explodes. Uh, we get a cool shot of them like diving into the lake just before to like avoid the blast, and then also another cool shot of both Freddie and Jason anti-gravity flying on fire <laughs> into the water which also practical two two stuntmen really did that which is dope uh they were on fire and just got flung through the air how fucking fun man like that that's like if you if you have the the body mentality brain mentality to be a stunt person like you you've got to just be living a great life this i don't know i just think this movie like when he's just so fun to be a part it of, is, like it is even it's very like fun. it just yeah. And I'm so glad that you got a uh, theater experience. I, I never saw this movie in theaters. I, I only saw it at, at on home and shit. But uh, no, I can imagine a theater experience was cool. Like, tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Was there like was the audience into it? Was there like cheers, boos, claps, anything like that? Well, I'm really old, so I don't remember. <laughs> That's <laughs> Twenty fair. years I mean, ago. Fair, fair, fair. It has been a while. Um, no scream. I remember. Yeah, it was a it was a packed theater. Um, and besides my two friends who were bored out of their mind because they're not horror fans at all. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone there. I think uh, my friend's boyfriend there, uh, Tim. Uh, he was there, so he that he was, was really Tim. into it. Um, I actually went and saw Aliens and Predators with him. We nice. we all went to the movies. We saw Aliens versus Predator. They went to see The Princess Diaries. <laughs> work it sounds like y'all I'm like the yeah the deal, show. Uh, yeah i'm like awesome. you guys can go see that movie i'm going to aliens versus predator so yeah, yeah no I, awesome. or watching horror movies in the theater is 
it's quite an experience. Like it really it's is the best There's experience. Just, yeah. It, 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 I love going to the movies and I'm so glad that so many good movies are coming up because I, I, I definitely have been to the movies a lot growing up and everything, but I, I, I wouldn't say I was a consistent movie goer or anything. I kind of just saw shit that I wanted to, or like if a friend was like, Hey, I want to see this movie. You want to see it with me? I'd usually say yes, just cause why not? But, um, now, especially with 2022 after the pandemic and everything, I, I got an AMC membership and all that good jazz, but so many good movies came out in 2022 and the theater experience was just like unmatched. So many, so many good ones. One, one particular, and that was really bad, but, uh, Terrifier 2. Oh, so sorry. I had such a shitty viewing experience with that one, but all, literally every other movie I saw in 2022, either at, at minimum good, at best, awesome theater experiences. So, yeah, see, seeing a movie in cinema, like, the way it was, like, intended with the surround sound and, like, random people you don't know. Because you almost form this bond, right? Like, you all go on the experience together, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially, like, a movie that is engaging and, and quote-unquote, like, fun, like this movie. Or, like, Scream, because it always goes back to Scream. But, like, just being yeah. able to experience <laughs> a, a roller coaster that is the cinematic experience with other humans it's 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 a it's a it's a way it's a it's a great art form and viewing movies at home is awesome and i love my my dvds and streaming services but yeah seeing a movie in a theater is the top top tier unmatched way to view a movie and i, yeah. I envy people who got a viewing experience with this one because i bet it would have been fun uh, yeah that is yeah okay. it was fun yeah yeah so and then we get like another cool, uh, like kind of fake out moment where uh, Lori and Will are on the dock and emerges, someone emerges from the water and it's just shoes at first. And they both kind of wear similar pants and shoes, so you don't really know who it is. And they're holding the machete, so you're thinking it's Jason, but it's actually Freddy who got a hold of Jason's machete. And he's about to like do a desperate swipe at Lori and Will. And just before he can, Jason yeah. takes Freddy's severed finger butter knife arm and just shoves it through his stomach raw. And it's it's yeah. awesome to just see that thing emerge through his stomach and then Jason like comically just fall back into the water. Like he was the hero. Pretty... Jason saves the day. Jason, Jason did kind of save the day. Uh, because yeah, he just he just fades back into the water, and then the 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 shock and everything of all this allows Lori to grab the machete because it fell out of uh Freddy's hand and kind of landed in the dock because it's made of wood, so it just kind of stuck in there. She grabs the machete. Camera pans pans up to Lori, who very angrily delivers a dope ass line, probably her best line of the whole movie. Welcome to my world bitch and just you yep. see freddie have this look of like oh fuck and she slow-mo yeah. not the choppy slow-mo so they could do it here but apparently not anywhere else in the movie slow-mo chops his fucking head off decapitates fredward krueger yeah yeah wait now i'm actually <laughs> so angry why could they do the slow-mo here but not in any other scene in the movie uh, uh, but yeah then <laughs> Freddy's decapitated head falls into the water as well as his body shortly after. 
she gets she gets her moment. This is your moment. Have it. And she she fucking eats. Throws that machete in the water. Closes that chapter on her life. And uh, walks away on the fiery dock with Will. Yeah. Who has a pretty bad wound on his back from being slashed mm-hmm. with the machete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I they, guess, both, they both make it out. I gotta say. Um, collapse in the water. J- yeah. J- yeah. Jason's machete, man. Like, it's sharp. <laughs> That thing, is a, that thing is a, the, the the Peacock prequel series to Friday the 13th better be about that machete because that thing is like a yeah. 15,000 year old ancient relic or something possessed by like the spirit yeah. of a million souls because that thing is Forged industrial, in the... fucking sharp as hell, has the strength of like it's like a video game weapon like it's it's all of its stats yeah. are just maxed the fuck out but its skin like doesn't change yeah so yeah uh that thing is powerful <laughs> man and final final shot of the movie before the credits roll is the the next morning kind of the dust has uh settled there's a lot of like smoke on the water because of the fire and we see jason emerge from the water machete in hand and in the other hand, Freddy's severed head. And then right before the we cut to credits, Freddy gives one last wink at the camera. And yeah. uh, also, cut to credits. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love the music they put I was also when he's walking out of the water. That was, was going to be my thing. Like, the amount of time. I, to this, like, literally to this day, since I saw this movie as a kid, sometimes in my, like, you know, how, like some people like whistle when they're just kind of idling and standing by my I can't whistle And my equivalent of that is like humming this like, I don't know if the camera can pick it up because I'm doing like tongue clips, but uh, tongue clips oh. but, like that, like that, like really like it's very it, it almost feels like a jungle music kind of thing. Like it's like it's fast yeah. and snappy. I like I, I hum it to myself or tongue click it to myself all the freaking time. And I just one day once I want someone to be like, are you humming the music that's at the end of Freddy versus Jason when Jason emerges from the water? I know it's like never going <laughs> to happen, but just once I want somebody to, to clock what it is. Okay, if I'm ever in LA and happen to be beside you when you do that, I will make Perfect. sure I clock you on it. <laughs> and I will, I will feel so validated in that moment. But uh, yeah, that's that is Freddy versus Jason. That uh, that is the movie. Uh, there was uh, yeah, that's that's it. We it was uh, overall. I think I think it's a pretty cool movie. I I do I do think they did some good things. I think I think this is a a movie where. The highs are really high, but the lows are like low. So and and that's why it's so polarizing because you know you've got your good, yeah, you've got your bad. Yeah, if you can hold out for the first like forty minutes, forty five minutes of the film and make it to Camp Crystal Lake, then you're in for a ride. Yeah, it's a good yeah, time. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's Freddy versus Jason. I'm I'm glad yeah. we got to talk about this one. So so. I I would like, if I may, to introduce a new segment to the podcast. So I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I'm I'm like thinking about the show, and I I like, you know, it's essentially just me and guests talking, having a conversation about horror movies, and I know I find that interesting. 
but I, I don't know if other people find that interesting. So I'm always like, am I entertaining? Like, does my show like stick with people? So I want, I was thinking about my show and like how to make it a little bit more structured, unique and, and uh, a little bit more just like, like me. So I have come up with a new segment that I'm going to start adding to the end of every uh, episode called the deadly debate. And I thought this was a great episode to debut this segment in because essentially what this is going to be is I, before the movie, I thought about, I, I thought about the movie and I thought about like who you are and what I know about you. And I was like, what is something that is controversial about this movie in particular? Uh, and, and something we may possibly disagree on so we can have like an actual debate about it. Cause you know, my show is called debate of the dead. And this is the perfect movie to debut this segment on because this movie has such an obvious debate that is still talked about to this day. So the deadly debate of this episode, Jamie, who wins? Freddy versus Jason, who won? Who won the fight? Was it Jason or was it Freddy? What do you think? I think it's a tie. I don't think anyone really won. I mean... Freddy's still alive. Jason's still alive. I mean, although I guess Jason technically would have won because he's still like his head's still attacked to, attached to his body. So I guess I would give the point to Jason, but For neither sure, of them are yeah, really dead. It, yeah, yeah, it's definitely it, this is such a debatable point, and you know, and I think this really kind of speaks to the movie because this, like I said, this is definitely something that is still debated to this day. Like it's almost like mm, maybe not to the same extent, but like. Xbox versus Microsoft, like iPhone versus Android. Like you've got your you've got your Fred heads over here. They're like Freddy won, and then you've got your uh, I don't know what Friday the Thirteenth fans are formally called. I'm sure there's a name, Crystal Lake counselors. I don't know whatever that fandom is <laughs> called uh, over here. Being like, no, Jason obviously won. And then you've got your casual audience who's also super mixed and just kind of gives their opinion. So this is a point that has definitely been debated. Uh, like up until this day. And if you ask a horror fan, like get a couple horror fans in a room who've all seen this movie and you ask them, I'm sure they're going to say different things. Uh, so I think I am going to give it to Freddy. I, because I, and I like, I'm trying really hard to think like, do I want to give it to Freddy because I like Freddy way more than I like Jason or like did Freddy objectively win the fight? And I'm thinking about like both of them as as I'm we're considering track record and your performance in tonight's lip sync for your life. <laughs> uh, 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 I, so like I'm thinking about all of their, their series, the franchise as a whole and like everything they do. And like the thing is, Freddie, this movie established that Jason can fall asleep and dream. And so at the end of the day. I think just like all the other Freddy movies, he's going to be like by him winking at the camera, he shows that his essence hasn't fully died. So he he's going to find a way to slink back into the dream world and conquer that realm on his own. So maybe even though he doesn't necessarily win against Jason and like maybe Freddy would seek some kind of like revenge plot against Jason just to like stay busy in the in the eternal demon hell life that he lives but i like even but jason also gets to keep you know what maybe it is a tie i think it's a tie it, it is a tie they they do a really good job kind of letting you decide and ah uh, but yeah I, mm, 
I guess, yeah, I guess if I had to pick one who wins, I, I would go Freddy, mostly because I just like him more in his franchise. But yeah, just because, like, I, I think it's more likely that Freddy will slink back in the dream world and find a revenge plot against Jason than it is likely that Jason will, like, continue to seek Freddy's, like, and, like, fuck with... Or, plot twist, it's a best friend arc. It's like Lollipop Chainsaw, <laughs> if you're familiar with that game, where the because the, the lead character of that game, Juliet, just walks around with her boyfriend's decapitated but sentient head, like, attached to her waistband. So maybe, like, maybe Freddy, or maybe Jason just kind of plops Freddy's head on the end of his machete and just kind of walks around with it, and they just become, like, you know, bros. They're just pals. Maybe. Chit-chatting. Maybe. You know, he's got, like, his head on a stick while Jason's, like, killing someone in the local i mean they also brought him back to camp crystal lake so he's probably running amok there and uh yeah to anyone who dare enter and so you know jace i'm imagining now like jason just like sleeping bag killing someone and freddie on a stick being like really the sleeping bag again <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the buddy cop think, dynamic that we yeah sitcom we need i i think i like jason because i think he embodies a little bit of michael you know like the mask yeah, yeah, the, the, the silent killer so i think that's what makes me kind of yeah. go more for jason than freddie i think freddie just yeah. really frightens me that is that is true he freddie freddie does because freddie kind of uses your own fear against you in a way uh so or, or like maybe not your own fear but at least your own weaknesses like your character flaws yeah <laughs> uh so like yeah there <laughs> it's a it's a cool this was a this was a correct pairing, I will say. I would not. I don't think I would have been as excited about a Jason versus Michael movie or a Freddy versus uh, Pinhead movie. You know, like I, I think this was the right. Like Freddy and Jason were the ones that, yeah, the correct ones to square off against each other. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just a fun movie. Don't take it seriously, and you'll have fun. That's that's my. Yeah. My overall opinion of the movie. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Take it, just go into it, have a good time. It's definitely a good popcorn flick, you know, like a one you would put on at like a sleepover or a get together, a fr- you know, a gathering of any kind. You know, maybe you're drinking, smoking with your friends, want something to do, throw on Freddy versus Jason. I'm, if you have a good time with it. Don't. This is not one of those movies you should go into like scrupulous and under a critic's eye, like this was made to be like a profound elevated horror movie or anything like that yeah you, know? you just have to have a have an open mind have a good time with it there's there like I said, there are definitely good parts here like there's there are there are scenes in this movie that are like iconic to horror history such as the bed folding kill the rave in the woods the the this basically this whole scene at the end here like there, there's some there's some very iconic moments in this in this franchise and, and it, it also does a good job uh, doing like the whole callback thing like it, it pays i think it pays each series like story and lore each franchise uh respectfully like i i don't think it did anyone dirty you know like they go to they even though it's illogical they managed to get both iconic set locations uh crystal lake in new jersey and uh elm street springwood ohio so they managed to get like the Freddy house in there. They got the camp in there. They have moments where Freddy has the upper hand in his dream world. They have moments where Jason has the upper hand in 
has home field advantage. Uh, one thing I will say uh, before we close out that I just remembered is that in the trailer, there was a very infamous line of Laurie straight up saying, Freddy versus Jason, place your bets. Thank fucking God they did not include that in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they cut yeah. that line. Well, the, rightfully so. Yeah. The other, the other thing that I think was really cool is how they like intertwine both of the theme songs. Yes, yes, yeah. That is underrated queen of the season. The score and the the music. It is actually quite good and yeah. very uh, appropriate to the scenes. It does a good job amping the pace up. And like, even though the tone is like a little like whack at times, the music help like is consistent with the tone, even though it's wacky. So I, I yeah, good. I'm glad you brought that up. The score and music of this movie is is good. Is uh, I like it a lot. Yeah. But that's that's Freddy versus Jason. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this movie with me. This is a fun one. I, I I knew this had to go in the slasher season because this is like the slasher of all slashers. This is the crossover. Yeah. Listen, honey, MCU has nothing on this crossover. This was the crossover event <laughs> of the season. And can you imagine? If they, I don't know if you're aware, but they are one of the proposed endings to this movie was gonna be Freddy and Jason at the end there both being dragged to hell by chains and fucking Pinhead Doug Bradley was gonna appear and say something along the lines of like, "Now, gentlemen, what appears to be the problem?" Cut to credits. Well, I'm like can glad you they didn't do that. <laughs> That would have yeah. been rambunctious, but at the same time, that would have been kind of a horror milestone, having three iconic horror villains in one universe. But they, they couldn't do it because they didn't, the rights, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, Two that's studios, another different. franchise I'm not really familiar with either is, is the Hellraiser franchise. I think I saw the first one. and Yeah, despite the fact that Pinhead kind of gets lumped in with the slasher villains, uh, because uh, he's not... Like, those movies aren't really s slashers. And they're not... Mm. Like, he's not... He's he's in a different level than all these other slasher movies. Yeah. It's like, he's... he. There's a little bit more... Uh, heft to him, I guess. If that makes sense. Like, there, there's a whole mythology there and everything. Uh, so with the Cenobites and, and all that. Uh, but yeah, that, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we got to got to hang out and talk about this and uh, debate yeah. the, the ultimate slasher showdown. So in the yeah, it was, my... it was, it was, yeah, go it ahead, was a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad no, I think, thank you so much for having me and it's, I really enjoy talking with you. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. If you want to, if you're open invitation to come back whenever, happy to have you on again to talk about any, uh, another movie so yeah uh, yeah in the event my uh lovely listeners would like to find more of you where can they do that on the internet um you can find me on twitter at j acorn 17 um or you can find me on facebook and instagram at uh, jamie acorn nothing too too fancy fantastic uh quick shout out to ryan c showers of the screen with ryan c why jesus ryan c showers podcast sorry uh he that's uh he has this basically built this excellent little scream community 
and uh, uh, with his podcast and, and his Patreon. Uh, and that's how we, Jamie, know each other. So just quick little shout out to him because coming up here in anticipation for Scream 6, we are doing a Screamathon. That's right. Nice. All, all six Screams back to back. One, two, three, four, five. And then I'm going to go see six. And it comes out on the 10th, which is a Friday. My show comes out on Monday. Girl, you know, I got, I'm going to have thoughts by Monday. So all six yeah. screams leading up to the release uh, coming up here shortly. And you should definitely go check out Ryan C. Showers, because if you know anything about him, he is a Scream 3 fanatic. And, well, Scream 3 is a movie I covered. So I'll just I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, go go follow the podcast Twitter at DOTD underscore podcast for announcements and updates about the show and what movies we're covering. Uh, go check out the Patreon. Uh, there's bonus episodes. There's a group chat. You can come, we can watch movies together, hang out on the on the interwebs, and and if uh, and also there's even a tier where you can come on the show and come talk with me about your favorite horror movie. So go check out the Patreon, uh, and if you want to follow more of me and my drag, check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Queen Cream. Uh, and yeah, go go check Jamie out. Go check Ryan out. This has been another episode of the Debate of the Dead podcast. And we will see you next time with my favorite scary movie.